Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to the Futures Focus Podcast, courtesy of Prospects1500.com. I'm your host, Alex Sanchez. Here with me, per usual, the great David Gasper. David, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, man. I just got some culvers. It's like 30 degrees outside, so it's it's shorts weather around here. The deep freeze is, is over for now, knock on wood, but... Um, yeah, doing doing pretty comfortable. Today's episode is going to feature part two of our first year player draft mock that we conducted here on our website. So we're going to dive a little bit uh, into some of the other picks from the other owners. We also have a very interesting thing to go over as well. I'm very excited. That is the organizational rankings. This is the first time Prospects 1500 has ever done something like this. We got at least 20, 25 of our writers to compile a list of their uh, favorite organizations from number one to number 30. So we're going to dive and take a look into that as well. So it's just me and David today, no guests. We wanted to mix it up a little bit. We do have some great guests coming up in the future. Um, so keep staying tuned for that. But David, you ready to go into the news and notes? Yeah, man, I'm ready. All right, let's jump into it. We'll be right back right after this. All right, before we get into the news and notes for this week, I did want to take some time to lend a special thank you to a couple of people out there. The first being at Baseball Pods. Um, His name is Chris, and he was putting forth a really awesome idea, nominating all of the great fantasy baseball podcasts and kind of doing a 64-team tournament voting system to get the people vote on the best podcast out there for fantasy baseball. Um, And I mean, all of the podcasts that, you know, were out there from Rotowire to uh, ESPN to CBS to every I mean, everybody was in there and we actually got nominated ourselves. We got the number 12 seed. I was ecstatic to even be nominated, let alone be a little bit higher. I mean, we weren't in the single digit, (laughs) but still 12 is pretty darn good. So special thank you to Chris at Baseball Pods is the Twitter handle. Follow him and, um, you know continue to vote it's a really cool idea and i don't think it's necessarily to determine which is the best podcast but rather for you to discover some other great baseball podcasts because you can you know you only get our podcast once a week you need more than that especially if you're driving to work five days six days a week something there something on the way back you need a lot of baseball podcasts in your life so if you haven't checked it out check it out you'll find some new great content as well and then secondly i wanted to thank the athletic they have a show called Under the Radar, and we were paired up against them in the voting, which was a tough draw for us because I'm sure everybody here has, is familiar with The Athletic. I actually have a subscription to The Athletic. So do I. Yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. Um, so that was a tough draw for us, for sure. Um, and we, But we held in there, right, David? We were... Yeah. Uh, we were it, was, it was relatively close there. And, you know, luckily, the, uh, the guys there at Under the Radar, they were telling their listeners to vote for us, which we certainly uh, appreciated and, and thank them for that. Derek Van Riper and, and the group over there, um, really great group of guys, um, really know their stuff, great podcasts that they have as well. So, yeah, certainly a tough draw, but, you know, they're, they're certainly willing to, you know, they're, they're kind of getting it where it was also, you know, helping, you know, promote other podcasts. And, and you know, it was really, really nice of them to, to tell everyone to to check us out and and it, it was really kind of cool to hear. Yeah, so that was cool. That was really really cool. Makes it really fun to know that some people are out there enjoying the content we're trying to give out. But we do have some big news as well to go over. I don't want to skip over this. Um, the first piece of news is Royce Lewis tearing mm. an ACL 
Uh, devastated to hear that. I really am very, very high on Royce Lewis. I actually did send a couple of offers out to see if people were ready to sell low on him because I, stu- I still think like he's a Kyle Lewis situation where he might get hurt now, but it really doesn't change my outlook on him long term. So what are your thoughts on Royce Lewis? How Does he bump down a lot for you? Are you still confident in him? Did you even like him that much in the first place? What are your thoughts, David? Well, when we did our too early uh, MILB mock uh, back in October, Royce Lewis was my first round pick. So uh, this is certainly devastating to me (laughs) in that mock draft. Um, But no, I'm still pretty high on Royce Lewis. You know, it's, you know, it's going to take away the season, but I still think the future is bright. The talent is there. You know, we'll, we'll see what his speed is when he comes back, but you know, it, it shouldn't affect his bat at all in the future. And, you know, Royce Lewis is still going to be a big part of, of the future for the Minnesota Twins. So um, there, there's still kind of a lot to like there. And I, I'm curious, did did you get any positive responses there from, from your trade feelers for, for Royce Lewis? Did, did anyone be willing to sell low? No. <laughs> Not surprising. <laughs> Yeah, I like Royce Lewis a lot. I think that he was already a little bit underrated because he's been taking a little bit longer. And you, if you just look at his stats, like if you're a little bit newer to the fantasy world and you kind of forget that he was the number one overall pick from uh, my neck of the woods, by the way, Jay Sarah High School in San Juan Capistrano. Um, shout out to them. But he, uh, he, was, he hasn't had a great professional debut. He didn't have a great 2019 um, he actually, I mean, his stats are very underwhelming. So he was already a little bit lower on some people's, um, you know, prospect lists, but I was still a true believer and I still am very, very confident in him going forward. It's just a shame that he was coming off of a huge, you know, it's a year removed now, but a huge winter league where he was the MVP. And we were really excited to see him in 2020. He got that taken away from him. And now this taken away from him in 2021 is is sad but a position player ACL you know it, we've seen many of these guys especially the younger guys come back Kyle Lewis again comes to mind right away and uh and hopefully Royce can have the same success as a as the rookie of the year um as Kyle Lewis did our next item on the news and notes is a very interesting and a little bit different and that were uh, that was the interview or the rotary club gang. I don't know exactly what was happening there, but it was the Seattle president, Kevin Ma- uh, Mather, 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 Ma- Mather, 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 um, who, you know, I, I didn't know much about until this, to be honest with you, and oh. some of his outrageous statements. But I mean, we're not here to really critique those outrageous statements. You probably know about them um, already, but I was more interested, to be honest, in some of the things that he was saying in terms of the prospects he was saying things like Jared Kelnick is going to be up April 1st. He was saying things like um, Luis Torrens is going to be the catcher of the future, although he, I think he called him Luis Torres, <laughs> but still, <laughs> he was still going to be up. Uh, the so fact bad. that Rogan Gilbert, who I had maybe later on in 2021, is going to be up a little bit sooner than that, and he's going to be dominant. So those are some really interesting things that he had to say. Now, of course, he also said some really horrific things that he definitely deserved to be fired for, even though I know he resigned, but they were very interesting. So did anything stick out for you that you wanted to kind of touch on before we jump into uh, the rest of the podcast here? Yeah, it was just really kind of uh, interesting to see that the the Mariners offered Jared Kalanick a contract extension, um, six year deal. I I think he said, um, and Kalanick turned it down, which, you know, is, it's perfectly fine for him to do, trying to you know earn more money later. And you know, since he didn't agree to that extension, they are going to be holding him down in the minor leagues a little bit longer. Um, you know, probably bringing him up late April um, and, instead of being on the roster for opening day because he didn't agree to that contract extension. So they will be manipulating his service time. Um, so if you have Kelnick in your in your leagues, just kind of be aware of that he's probably going to be up after a couple of weeks into the season. Um, And then I think he also was talking about Julio Rodriguez and, you know, beyond his, you know, other uh, incorrect comments on on Rodriguez, he did say that they're planning to have him up uh, next year, 
I, I believe, in 2022. So if you're holding out hope for Rodriguez to make his debut in 2021, uh, you, you're going to have to hold off on that. Yeah, and I never was banking on a Julio debut in 2021, but 2022 is still pretty quick for a guy that is very, very young, still without a lot of professional experience. Um, just a fun fact, too, it's uh, Jared Kelnick instead of Kalenic. So if uh, you hear some people saying Kalenic, you can correct them like I'm correcting David right now. No offense, but... Um, <laughs> I have heard that he goes and uh, he corrects you himself. So there's some oh. interviews and stuff where he's like, it's actually Kelnick, even though it's yeah. not spelled that way. So whatever, Jared, maybe you should have taken that contract. Um, <laughs> no, I don't want to resign. I'm sorry. I take it back. No, uh, I, 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 at least he's not on the podcast right now. Otherwise, yeah, embarrassing. I know. So uh, we butcher a lot of names here. So we're trying to do a better job of that. So again, excuse us if we do mispronounce names. That was the news and notes for this week. Let's go ahead and jump into the next segment, which is going to be the part two segment of the first year player draft mock. So stay tuned. We'll be right back right after this. Okay, so we had a great analysis of the mock draft last week with the great Ben Wilson, but we still felt that we had more guys to talk about. We noticed that, you know, upon listening to it again, that we did mainly mention our guys, which I hope you understand is natural. We're excited about the guys we selected in the mock draft. We didn't just pick random people. <laughs> we picked the guys that we really like. So we were excited to talk about them. But we realized that there are a bunch of other names. Like I said, there's 180 names on this mock draft that we would love to cover every single one and tell you, you know, exactly where they're going to be. We just you know, don't have that type uh, kind of time. So what we're going to do here is really quickly, not for you know, longer than 15, 20 minutes or so is go over some of these guys that maybe are in the later rounds. So guys that you might be able to pick up right now, if your first year player draft has already been completed, I've been able to do that with a bunch of these guys. I can mention, you know, as we go, I picked up, like I said, I picked up David Calabrese um, in a league I'm in. I've picked up Ambio Travarez in a league I'm in. I've picked up a bunch of these guys that, you know, they're just sitting there because most of you, I'll be honest, are probably not going on beyond three or four rounds in your first year player draft. And then even if you are, you still have a lot of options here. So let's start here in round number four. David, did you want to pick some of your favorite picks uh, from this round and start us off? Um, yeah. So th th there are a bunch of guys actually that I like here in uh, the fourth round. Uh, starting with Daniel Cabrera from Detroit. Uh, Greg took him at the second pick in the fourth. Um, I, I really kind of like that that whole Tigers draft class, and, and Cabrera is a really strong hitter. So uh, he'll certainly be interesting to watch uh, coming up through that system. I also really like Carmen um, Lodzinski, uh, picked up by the Pirates. Um, Michael Kelly had, had him in there. I, I thought he was a really good potential um, late first round pick in, in the actual draft. I, I think he went in the comp A round or, or early round two, something like that. Um, so he was another guy that I certainly really liked. Um, and then uh, a couple of pitchers in the middle of the round, Dax Fulton and, and Clayton Beater uh, were two guys that I certainly liked um, in the draft. Uh, and I was hoping would kind of fall to me there towards the end of the fourth round, but didn't end up happening. But uh, Clayton Beater, I mean, he, he was an interesting prospect coming out with his, you know, analytically inclined um, stuff. I mean, he's he's very strong with the analytics and um, w w with all those numbers. And being in that Dodgers farm system, uh, I, I think he could really develop into something really good. So I thought it was a good snag by Charles there in the middle of the fourth round. Honestly, yeah, looking back, these are great names. And any of these guys available in a, in, you know, in a dynasty league that's even a little bit deeper, if you, you should definitely pick some of those guys up. Great names you picked there. A couple of guys I wanted to touch on was uh, Johnny Perrone, an outfielder from Tampa. Um, that was uh, you know, a guy that I've been able to pick up in my dynasty league. He was just literally a free agent. I think he has a lot of potential. Again, very young. These are these international signees. They're, some of them are even 16 years old, but 17, 18-year-old guys. You're not going to see them right away. But if you want to have you know, your next big thing as an international guy, you have to kind of get them here. Um, another guy that I really liked was um, 
Michael Hernandez. I don't know. I think we might have even talked about him last week, but he's a the shortstop from Baltimore. I thought that was a really good pick from Bailey. Um, P.D. Halpin, a speedy outfielder from Cleveland. That was Jake uh, picking him with the 65th overall pick. I really like him as well. I was able. He's a guy that, again, I was able to just pick up for free. I didn't have to draft him, didn't have to spend a draft pick on him, and there's a lot of potential there. So these are uh, some really high upside guys. I like your arms that you mentioned, David. Those are some. Those are the names I would have mentioned as well. So I think those are great, great picks. Then moving on to round number five, there is a you know Alika Williams from Kurt in the 90th pick is a shortstop, uh, tooled up shortstop for Tampa Bay. He's a guy that I. I think has a lot of potential, especially with the Rays taking somebody like that. Um, I also like Vukovic from Arizona. That was another pick by Jake. So I, I'm liking Jake's pick here in the fourth and fifth round. He is a third baseman from um, uh, for Arizona. Who did you want to touch on here in round five? Yeah, so I, I just got a kind of a couple of names here. I, I kind of want to piggyback there off your uh, AJ Vukovic pick. Now, I, I'm not quite as high on him. Um, I just kind of have some concerns with a high school corner infield um, power bat. You know, he, he's he's got a, a whole bunch of raw power for sure, but the hit tool kind of concerns me. Um, he's got, you know, some strikeout issues, and I'm mean, drafted out of high school. He's someone I probably would have liked to see go to college um, to figure out more of that hit tool. Um because, I mean, he's going to have some some strikeout issues for sure. I think that's just kind of part of his approach. He's going to have some strikeout issues. And um, it, it's no guarantee that he's going to be able to tap into that power pretty well. So you know, I'm not quite as high on Bukovic at the moment. I would have liked to see him go to college. But um, it, it's a very – it's a high-risk, uh, high-reward potential there with, with Vukovic. So, so just kind of – I just kind of like to tread lightly when it comes to high school corner infielders. Um, and then just kind of some other guys I liked in this round, uh, Colt Keith with the 87th overall pick by, uh, Michael, um, going to Detroit. Like I said before, I, I like Detroit's draft. Um, and yeah, so he, he's a bit more, I, I think, uh, polished than a guy like Vukovic cause you know, he's also a, a corner guy, but you know, I, I think he's more of a, a certainty to at least, uh, hit a little bit better. Um, and then, Obviously, as as Brewers guy, I like Hayden Cantrell there at, at 86 overall by Ben. Um, you know, really strong um, defensive shortstop. Um, pretty good hit tool overall. Had a slow start to the 2020 season, which kind of hurt its draft stock. But um, switch hitter, shortstop, um, got got some pop. So uh, certainly like him as well as well as CJ Van Eyck um, there for for Toronto that Jacob took. I also liked him. But let's move on to round number six. This is, again, where you're starting to get some names that you maybe uh, are not familiar of. Uh, although there are two names that I could see jumping into later rounds of first-year player drafts. That's Justin Lange, the right-handed pitcher from San Diego, a guy that I'm getting higher and higher on the more I research him and read about some of the comments being said about him. He's a hard-throwing righty, so Greg Bracken taking, uh, taking him with the 92nd overall pick. I've seen him go much higher than that. I've seen Daniel Vasquez go much higher than this. I actually drafted Daniel Vasquez in one of my leagues with a fourth-round pick, so to get him in the sixth round is very good. An international signee shortstop from Kansas City. You can also confuse your league mates by signing Logan Allen to your team from Cleveland, a left-handed <laughs> pitcher, because there is already a Logan Allen, who we all know and love in the baseball card world, uh, Logan Allen. So if you want to maybe get him and then somehow trick somebody, that's always fun. Um, you can do that. But he actually is a really good pitcher. He's probably already better than the uh, the major league Logan Allen, to be honest. I'd like him better. <laughs> if I had to trade, I'd, I'd rather have the newly drafted Logan Allen. He throws a little bit harder. Left-handed pitcher. Cleveland is uh, starting to become the prototypical system for pitchers now with uh, their ability to harness the best out of these guys, get the pitch mix where it should be and get that spin going. So they're, they're a, becoming a pitcher's factory in Cleveland. Um, those are my guys here in round six. What do you have here in round six? Yeah. So a couple guys I like uh, Christian Roa, uh, number 91 overall by Cincinnati. 
Um, really good, really advanced college arm uh, that, that could move relatively uh, quickly through the minor league system. Um, yeah, Logan Allen, big fan of him um, for sure. Another another lefty in this round, Ian Seymour, again drafted there by uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, I think that's really good, really good spot for him, and, and he could end up having a pretty pretty good career with the way the Rays develop pitching. Um, and then really just kind of a, a surprise here at Drew Romo lasting until the 108th overall pick. Somehow he lasted uh, that long, um, but I thought that was certainly great value there at the end of the at the end of the sixth round. Agreed. A, a catching prospect from Colorado. Just if they could figure out how to develop some prospects and then they get to play in Coors, that would be awesome. So yeah. any day now, please. Yeah, I mean they did that with Nolan Arenado, but you know. Yeah, and I mean. They, and they Trevor come, Story. They come up. Yeah, like those guys have come up and, you know, but anyway, let's move on to round seven. Again, you're getting you're getting guys here like, um, you know, like my pick here. I, I know we weren't going to say our picks, but like guys like college guys or if you can, these international guys that we just don't know much about. And literally you're you're flipping a coin as if they're even going to make it past rookie ball. But a couple of guys I wanted to mention, uh, Casey uh, Schmidt, the third baseman, also kind of a pitcher I guess I have him I like him more as a bat for sure he was picked by uh, Scott Green at pick 121 and um, I think we talked about this last week but uh, Tink Hentz a right-handed pitcher from St. Louis is another guy that I really like I wanted to highlight that that's Paul Wooden at pick 115 to be honest this round is a little underwhelming these names don't jump out at me as much as even like round eight and round nine um, so I don't know if you feel that way or if, if you have some better thoughts on some of these guys in round seven. Yeah, kind of, you know, running low on the um, big names as, as we get later here into the draft. But just one guy that I also liked in this group, Jake Eater, um, going to Miami, left-handed pitcher. Uh, Michael Kelly taking him. Uh, he had a pretty strong draft. Uh, Michael did. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's another guy that I really kind of like in this group. And but when I look at round eight, there's there's guys that I like better than almost everybody here in, in round seven. So it just shows you how much this is random when we get to this this ranking. It's, it's I mean, honestly, you could say that the number 75th ranked player is the exact same as the 150th ranked player. That's where we get to at this point. But um, I wanted to highlight Kurt's pick at 127, that's Kaden uh, Polkovich, a second baseman from Seattle. I've heard really good things about him in the limited amount of time that uh, he's been drafted until now. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. If he can stick at second base, he becomes really, really interesting for me. The other guy here is Manuel Pena, a third baseman from Arizona. Another guy I was able to just pick up out of uh, uh, the waiver wire. So that was uh, Tony BPS doing that one. Uh, my guy, Freddie <clears throat> Freddy LaFleur, I don't know if we talked about him too much last week. He was another guy that I was able to just snag from the waiver wire. So this is the theme. Bryce Edler from Atlanta. I also dig him as well, maybe because of my Braves bias. But, uh, you know, another Braves writer for us, Jake Berry, picking him as well. So there are a, at least a couple people that you know that like Bryce Edler. And I'm sure you have a Braves fan in your league as well. So a guy that you might want to pick up and stash for nothing else than to trade him to us gullible Braves fans who we are very <laughs> gullible when it comes to our prospects. We think they're the best for sure. Um, anybody else in this round you wanted to, to highlight? Yeah, there, there's certainly um, a couple guys in here. Luke Little, um, he throws gas, drafted by the Chicago, Chicago Cubs, left-handed pitcher. Um, Jake taking him, I, I thought that was a really good pick, and who I was planning to take down there at mine um, at the end of the eighth round. Uh, but yeah, also Bryce Elder, big fan of him. And I also got to mention uh, Scotty's pick of Jackson Churio, um, Brewers international signee, shortstop. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of him. I had him at 28 on my uh, top 50 list for the Brewers. Um, great bat speed. Uh, he's got a power speed combination. Um, can stick at shortstop defensively. So, you know, a lot to like there. He's, he's 16 years old. He, he's a ways away. But a uh, really good talent um, and, you know, someone, if anything, just kind of, you know, pick up and just kind of hold and and see if he ends up uh, turning into something after he starts playing some games. Absolutely. And then for me in round nine and round 10, it's just about who has a first Bowman card. And that's kind of the extent of my 
scouting on some of these guys. And uh, Jackson Miller, catcher for Cincinnati, does have a first Bowman card. So a guy that, you know, I'm going to hear of and read the stats on the back of that baseball card. And that's about the extent. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I, I Hunter Bun- Barnhart also has a, a first Bowman. So I, I do know about him. So to me, the, I mean, in the ninth round, we're talking 153rd pick for Jackson Miller, 149th pick for Hunter Barnhart. Um, some good picks there. And then might as well just touch on round 10 for me, and then I'll let you finish this up. But Matthew Dyer, uh, New York Mets, he's a utility guy. You can even put him at catcher. I, I do know quite a lot about him. Um, so he's somebody that I think can sneak up on guys just because he's so versatile. So if you, you know, you're, if you're just happy, these guys make the major leagues at this point. So I think that's really important. And then Samuel Infante, a shortstop from Washington is also another guy that I'm keeping my eye on. Again, these aren't guys I'm necessarily picking up on, in my leagues, unless it's just an insane, like 30 persons, hundred minor league player league. But otherwise keep your eye on those guys. Um, David finishes up with your favorites in round nine and 10. Yeah, so there are a couple of, of interesting guys. Um, I, I had Joey Weimer there in round nine. You know, has, has some power, some good raw tools, but uh, he's, a, he's a project as they try to rework his swing, uh, but could turn into something really good. Tyler Gentry, outfielder for Kansas City. Um, I, I think he's another pretty solid pick there in round nine. Um, Holden Powell, uh, righty for Washington with 157th overall pick by Scotty. Um, he's, he's another guy that that's pretty interesting to watch. Uh, then down in round 10, um, you know, that there's really kind of not much for, for names. I know too much about with my pick. I, I took Carson Taylor, uh, catcher for, for the Dodgers simply because, you know, I, I was looking at the, at the draft and just kind of, you know, what names were, were still available. And I'm like, Hey, this guy's a switch hitting catcher. Yeah, might as well. So that's okay, just right. kind of who I went with. Um, in that group, because, you know, it's it's the 179th overall pick. You know, there, there's only so much left that, that you could go with. Yeah. And I do see my I didn't see this before, um, but Jagger Haynes and uh, Samuel Zavala, two San Diego Padres prospects. I like quite a bit, actually, to see them in round 10. To me, it's a little bit of a, a steal there. But again, I'm kind of a bias because they're in my system. But there's two guys that, you know. If I had to rank the top 180 players for first-year players, they would definitely be on there. So there they are. In fact, they'd be much higher, to be honest, now that I'm looking at this. A little bit more detail. But, uh, yeah, so that that concludes our part two of that. We're just I'm just hoping that we get as many names out there as possible, um, guys that, you know, are sticking out in our minds, guys that we've seen. You know, again, the worst part about this, pandemic in a lot of well that, let me take back that sentence because this pandemic <laughs> is um by the way vaccinated today pretty awesome oh wow um yeah teachers apparently they want us to be healthy so crazy they don't enough but they'll give us a shot anyway the point is here <laughs> that <Just> subtle jabs <laughs> yeah subtle jab city um that you know we didn't get to see any of these guys since they've been drafted and that's what's of shame about these uh, being drafted in 2020 we didn't get to see you at all and the best we can do is look at video and when it comes to these international prospects they're showing us video of like their best absolute best days um even the college guys like we didn't get to see too much from them there's obviously a little bit more to to get from but there is just so much we don't know about these guys so don't be afraid to go with your gut especially this year i don't always recommend going with your gut because my gut's often very wrong but pick the guys that that's a great way to convince people to take your advice (laughs) yeah not my advice um but take your own advice that's what i'm saying take your gut when it comes to some of these guys that you actually know of and if you see something in them you're probably better off than most other people knowing these guys so anyway that wraps it up for us anything to finish off for our uh part two segment here no no i think it was a Pretty good, very deep uh, first-year draft. and I will admit um, that, yeah. I do think it's very deep compared to some yeah. of the other drafts that we've gone, that we've seen. So keep that in mind. All right, let's go ahead and uh, we'll take a break right here, and we'll come back, and we're going to go into our Meg's main segment, even though that was a pretty good segment in and of itself. But we're going to get into our prospect 
organizational rankings that we did. And um, we'll be right back after that, uh, after this to go over that. Okay, I'm really excited to go over this next segment with you guys, and that's our organizational prospect rankings for the 2021 preseason. So keep that in mind when we're talking about these prospects. Some of these guys are going to go down substantially. I'm thinking about the Pirates right now. That's the first organization that comes to mind. As soon as Cabrian Hayes graduates from that system, to me, it, it drops at least five to six spots. So keep that in mind. We're not taking that into consideration. We're simply looking at the top prospects that are still eligible, and we're ranking them based on that. So um, we had, like I said, around 20 people. Um, I'm looking at it now, 19 exactly. 19 people conduct their rankings, which you can find on prospects1500.com. Again, it was the first time we have ever done this as a site. It's uh, all the rage nowadays. So what we wanted to do is kind of hit on the top couple of systems, look at the bottom couple of systems, and then mention some that we think should either be higher or perhaps lower. So we'll start with the bottom, keep you guys uh, wondering who were the top in, in case you haven't seen that list yet. But unfortunately, David, your Milwaukee Brewers are on the bottom five of the list, mm. <laughs> but not the worst and not even the second. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, the bottom organizations, according to Prospects 1500, for Fantasy Dynasty, we have to also say that as well, Fantasy Dynasty purposes, is the Washington Nationals at number 30, the Colorado Rockies at 29, the Brewers, I'm sorry, at 28, <laughs> Houston Astros at 27, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, I don't even know if they're called that anymore, but the Los Angeles Angels are there at 26, and the Oakland Athletics at 25. So what are your thoughts on those bottom five? Uh, organizations. Well, I think the good news for my Brewers is, is that they're no longer in 30th because that's where they were last year. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's a really interesting um, group of systems. And, you know, the Brewers, I think, is certainly one that, that's trending upward um, that really, I, I think, could be a lot higher if we could see a lot of these young prospects because the, I, I think there were seven or eight of my top 15 uh, on my top 50 list that have not played a single professional game. So the, there's like half of that top group we haven't even seen in game action. So th there's guys like Hedbert Perez, Luis Medina, uh, Garrett Mitchell, Freddie Zamora, uh, Eduardo Garcia that we haven't even see play an official game. Um, Garcia, I think we saw play like 10 games in 2019 before he broke his ankle. So we haven't seen much of those guys. So I, I think once we see, uh, games from them, um, that, that, that system will really kind of be coming up. The Colorado Rockies at 29, they should be a lot higher if they smartly, uh, traded, uh, Nolan Arenado for anything besides spare parts and a stick of gum. I mean, it was just, we, we've talked about it before. That was just a mind boggling trade. I don't know how they didn't demand Dylan Carlson in return from the Cardinals for that. If they had gotten Carlson, the Rockies would probably be in the team somewhere. Um, but yeah, now, now the Rockies are, they trade away their best player and they still have a bottom five farm system. So uh, it's, it's certainly rough for them. The angels, man, Mike Trout needs some help and, and they just, they just haven't been able to get much on the farm system. I liked what they did getting Reed Detmers, um, to, to kind of help out uh, their pitching staff relatively quickly. I thought that was a really good pick. Um, but, yeah, still kind of short on, on big talent. And with Joe Adele uh, getting ready to graduate and, you know, all those guys, it's just kind of looking uh, pretty, pretty rough there. You'll be proud of me. I had the Brewers at 25th overall. Oh, personal ranking. thank you. I think you had a lot to do with that, to be honest. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I, I just keep on pounding the drum for Hedbert Perez, and you know, eventually yeah, it'll just honestly. it'll sink in. I can't imagine how you wouldn't have ranked the Nationals 30th. We only had one person rank them not 30th, and they were ranked 26. That's Michael K. Um, so I would love to hear 
how does he, he do the nationals farm he system must, get, you, why don't you check that out i'm gonna keep talking for a little bit see if that, that has to be the only explanation um yeah they're they're horrific to me and yeah i think the rockies honestly they have some interesting prospects aaron chunk uh, michael toglia Brenton doyle i just have no confidence in them because they have very rarely done anything right when it comes to prospects i'm talking Brendan Rogers, who, by the way, graduated from that list. It would have helped for sure if he was still on the list. Um, McMahon, these guys just haven't panned out. Sam Hilliard was a guy I loved, and then all of a sudden comes up, he can't hit anymore. So, like, I just don't trust the Rockies. And so I I had them at 28th. I think 29th is more than fair. The Angels, if they had Joe Adele, I think, jump up, like you said, with the um, – um, who are you talking about that would jump up? The Brewers? Mm-hmm. The Brewers. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. If you, you said if the Rockies had gotten Carlson, they would jump up. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, if they had Adele, they would have seen a similar jump. I still like a few of those guys. I had the Angels at um, 27. So, I mean, I'm not too far off from here. The, the one team I did have a little bit higher was the Oakland Athletics. I think that they've, again, they're the opposite of the Colorado Rockies in which they – simply develop guys in perhaps we don't even see them coming half the time. So I put a little bit more stock in some of that when I was doing my rankings. So I had the A's at 20 again, nothing too extraordinarily uh, different than what was going on here. I don't see, again, most of our writers here agreed. I do see one big difference. And again, I, most of this is probably, you know, inherent bias in that they're writing for the team, but you know, the Astros did have one writer, um, at 19, which was interesting. I think for maybe Forrest Whitley love there. That was Greg B. I don't think he does the Astros, to be honest. So that was an interesting deviation from the norm there. Otherwise, I'm looking through these. These are all very standard. I think you'll see this bottom five, maybe not in this exact order, but you'll see these teams in the bottom five when it comes to uh, the the worst. But let's not talk about the worst anymore. Um, let's talk about the best. Okay, so uh david did you find out uh what you were looking for there oh yeah it's uh it's jacob that that has a national system um so so he agreed he agreed yeah yeah he he agreed that they they should be 30th so i don't know we'll we'll have to ask him personally about what he was thinking putting him on the spot i bet you didn't think we were going to talk about you today michael huh but uh you have to explain (laughs) how you could possibly think the nationals are 26th. I think they're awful. <laughs> they're a good team. Their major league team is freaking gross right now. It's really, really good. Yeah. But um, they don't got much coming up. But yeah, if only Juan Soto still had prospect yeah. status. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk about the, the top five here. In terms of the consensus, we have the Tampa Bay Rays at number one, Seattle Mariners at number two, Miami Marlins at number three, Toronto Blue Jays at number four, and the Detroit Tigers at number five. What are your thoughts on uh, those? Well, it's not surprising to see Tampa Bay Rays at number one. They had the number one farm system before, and then trading uh, Blake Snell to get you know all those prospects back just kind of further uh, cemented that uh, incredibly talented farm system. Um, you know, really, really strong group there. I, I was a little bit surprised seeing this, seeing the Mariners at number two, but it does make sense with the uh, Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez uh, pairing atop that system. It's just, it, it's just so uh, strong at the top, um, and, and there's you know a lot of good depth in that system as well. Uh, but but the guys at the top are just really incredible players. Um, I was kind of surprised that the Tigers were below the Blue Jays there. I would have put the Tigers ahead of them. Um, it, you know, if I did not do a rankings for this, but if I did, I would probably have the Tigers up front over them. Um, but I mean, both have, have really good systems. Um, and the Marlins has gotten a lot better. It, you know, only so much has gotten better from their trades and, and, and from the teardown. Um, but they, they still they've drafted pretty well, um, so they got some really exciting players there. But yeah, I probably would have had the Tigers a little bit higher than fifth. I agree with you 100%. I had the Tigers at number three. I actually had the Mariners at number one, and my thinking is that you know 
the depth is always the argument. Oh, that you know, the Rays have the depth. They have so many players. That's fantastic. But if you have superstars at the top, you don't need any depth because they're going to be playing all the time. And to me, the Mariners have just they have three superstar potential position players. You mentioned two of them, Kelnick and Julio. And to me, Noevli Marte is another superstar mm. potential guy that's just brilliant. Then they have a rotation that's pretty much halfway built already when you talk about Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, and Emerson Hancock. So to me, that right there was enough for me to just just fall in love with this system at number one. So that was my rationale. And I had the Rays at two, so I'm not going to pretend that I'm hating the Rays too much. They're still probably the envy of everybody because of that depth. But honestly, they don't have... And Wander Franco. And Wander Franco is a superstar potential. Um, but to me, you know, they the Mariners almost have three or four <laughs> Wander Francos as well in their system. So I really like the guys that can make a huge impact. And that's why I had the San Francisco Giants at um, number four in my top five. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, Luciano and Luis Matos, Alexander Canario are three guys um, that I'm just really, really high on. The pitching isn't necessarily there yet. I get it for sure. And then, I mean, I included Joey Bart as well as a prospect in my thinking. So the, to me, I think the Giants got a little bit um, of the short end of the stick here. They were ranked number 10 on our consensus consensus ranking there. So I, I did have them quite a bit higher. Uh, again, like I said, with the Tigers, I agree with you 100%. They should have been higher. To me, I would have bumped out the Blue Jays and the Marlins. I was a little surprised to see the Blue Jays that high. To me, their stud stud prospects are up and, and you know, Bichette and Vlad. I think some of that is kind of carrying over for some of these guys ranking the Blue Jays that highly. I just, I, I still had them, I think at eight or so because of some of their pitching prospects, but I don't see the, the superstars there like I do in some of these other systems. So um, the next thing about this organizational rank I wanted to kind of dive into was the middle of it. Now, I don't want to go over every single team and every single ranking because that's just monotonous, but in terms of the middle, is there any organization in there that just seems wrong to you? And uh, I will remind you, there is a correct answer here that I'm looking for, but go ahead and try. Uh, tell me your organizations that either need to be higher or lower. Yeah, there's a couple that I think probably um, should have been higher. And um, the first one that kind of jumps out to me is the San Diego Padres at, yep. at 18. Yep. That's and I, I get it that, you know, you, you traded away probably about 20 prospects in, in the span of a couple of months. Um, and, you know, a lot of that depth was kind of cut into, but it's still a pretty deep group. And uh, I think the key is they kept the core four uh, at the top of that system. They kept Mackenzie Gore, uh, they kept C.J. Abrams, Luis Campisano, uh, and they kept Robert Hassel III. So with, with those four kind of leading the way, I, I'd still say that that's um, probably a top 10 system. Um, you know, maybe, you know, I could argue maybe, you know, 12 or, or something like that. But 18, I, I think is definitely a little low. Yep, that was the correct answer I was looking for. <laughs> again, with my theory behind this ranking, again, there's no right or wrong way to do this. But you want the superstars at the top. They have two of those superstars. You want the depth. And to me, I think a lot of people don't understand just how much depth there is here. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that their 30th and 40th ranked prospects are better than everybody's top 10 or 20. But I will venture to say that a lot of teams would take those 30 and 40th ranked prospects in their system um, in a heartbeat. So I think the depth here does make the system play up. Um, Another organization I wanted to touch on was the New York Yankees. And the New York Yankees were ranked 20th in our consensus ranking. I had them at number 13. So that was a big difference for me. My thought behind the Yankees was, again, Dominguez is your superstar. So you got him. Um, I, you know, I still view Clark Schmidt um, as a, a potential number two, number three starter. So you have the top end stuff. And then for me, it's just like their number five ranked prospect is almost as good as like their number 25th ranked prospect. They're all just really solid guys. I think one thing that's kind of making me get their system up a little bit higher in my mind is that they're very good defensive prospects in this organization that are going to probably be 
be major leaguers. And while that may not help you in terms of fantasy counting stats, I do think it helps them get to the major leagues and play very consistently. So Alexander Vargas, Peraza, there's a bunch of guys in the system uh, that are going to be major leaguers. They may not be superstars, but for me, that, that shows off the depth. And then a lot of huge upside arms, uh, Medina, Gill, and again, Schmidt, like I mentioned, Garcia as well, if you want to consider him, uh, Diave Garcia, a prospect still, another great name there. So to me, the Yankees at number 20 was a little surprising. What do you think about the Yankees at number 20? Yeah, I thought that was also um, pretty interesting. You know, I, I wouldn't have had them too much higher. It's like, yeah, you got Jason Dominguez there at the top. But um, like you mentioned there, you know, it, it's just kind of a, a whole bunch of, you know, interesting, solid guys. But, you know, Dominguez is, is really kind of the only remaining, it seems like, you know, stud uh, prospect to come through. And he's still, you know, very young. Um, so that there's a, a large amount of risk uh, with Dominguez as well. So um, it, it's just kind of a, a tough for the Yankee system, kind of an interesting spot that that farm system is in. Um, having graduated some young guys to the big leagues recently and um, now kind of starting over with, with some younger international guys filling out that system. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Dominguez? What do you, If you had to rank him right now, overall prospect, where do you think you would have him? I mean, it's it's so tough because, um, I mean, the, the ceiling is so incredibly high, but, you know, he, he's also so big. And, you know, I, I think I, I have a little bit of concern about him um, just kind of um, not being able to um, continue to, to hit or, or play at, at his current pace as he gets older. Um, you know, there's. It's really kind of tough, you know, maybe, you know, bottom half of, of a top 100. Um, but it's it, there. There's still so much kind of unknown with him. And he's just he, he's a very big dude. And, you know, he's got some some loud contact for sure. Um, but, yeah, it, it's really kind of a tough to tell for a guy like Jason Dominguez. I think I would have him in the top 30. So that's a little bit higher than what you're saying. But I also have this helium balloon that if he comes out and just has a show his first month that he's going to be in my top 10. That's where I do see his potential. But like you said, we haven't we have yeah. no idea. where. Yeah. I mean, b- big potential, at. but there's there's also still a lot of risk to carry with him as well. Yeah. Another organization that I wanted to touch on here was the Pittsburgh Pirates. Number 11. And at first I looked at this and I saw a couple of our writers. Um, It was Sheffield and Greg B again. Greg B coming in and making uh, some interesting statements here about the Pittsburgh Pirates with their rank. Sheffield had them at number two and Greg had them at number three, the Pittsburgh Pirates. To me, number 11 is shocking enough as it is. I would love to hear their thoughts on number two and number three. But uh, to me, the Pirates don't belong here. I had them at number 18. Um, and that was simply because they traded for Hudson Head. If they hadn't done that, <laughs> they were in the 20s for sure. And I, I'm like pretty honest about that. They would have been probably 20. But um, as soon as Cabrian Hayes goes, and I know I said we weren't doing that, but honestly, it's like, come on, it's there in the back of your head. Like they really don't have Cabrian Hayes. I'm really not thrilled about this system what are your thoughts on the pirates do you think that ranking's a little too high or um are you optimistic about some of those new guys into the system yeah i think they got some interesting new guys um for sure um and they added a lot more depth to the system it's, it's a lot deeper than it was before uh, with the trades that they made but i don't think they really got any uh super high ceiling guys outside of hudson head of course of course of course uh, of course yeah <laughs> um, but I mean, with some of the other trades that, you know, the, with the guys that they got back, um, you know, they're, they're interesting guys, you know, probably, you know, a couple of big leaguers in there, but, you know, I don't know how big of an impact those guys uh, will be. And obviously Cabrian Hayes is going to be a, a really good player, but, um, yeah, the, I think their system could jump back up, uh, once the draft comes around this summer and they can add Kumar Rocker 
uh, to that farm system. Yeah. But um, we know how Pittsburgh is when it comes to uh, developing their pitching prospects and getting the most out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that may end up getting wasted. But we'll, I mean, that's that's far off into the future. They haven't even drafted uh, him yet. So, uh, but yeah, it's really kind of a, an intriguing system. They added a lot more depth for sure. Um, but you know, I'm not sure how much um, high ceiling talent uh, they got. I think it might come down to your views on Quinn Priester because that mm-hmm. has to be one of the biggest risers in a season where we didn't even have a minor league season, right? I don't. I, right. I, it's hard to imagine how guys can have so much helium, but he is definitely one of those guys that I've seen creep into top 100 lists all over the place and even into top 60s and 50s even. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. FYI, Sheffield, Greg B are not our Pittsburgh Pirates writer. That belongs to uh, Kyle Brown, who did not actually participate in this. So I would love to see his thoughts on that as well, if um, where he would have his, his system at. That's a very intriguing one. I think that was the one with like just the most deviation that we had as I'm looking through this. Um, Another one, we'll go, I'll go with one more here that I um, I wanted to touch on. I had them at number six, and we actually did a podcast together about them, and I thought it was very impressive when we were going over that system. That's the Arizona Diamondbacks. They were ranked number nine, so pretty close. I had them you know, a little bit higher. That's another system that I think is getting perpetually underrated, especially if Kristen Robinson hits, but even... If he does not, they got major league ready guys coming up now. They got major league ready guys that are even lower in their system, like in the 20s and 30s that are going to contribute. So I really like that system. And um, at number nine, again, it's not much different than where I have them at, but another system that I think is on the rise, which I think I, I want to ask you that. Which which system do you think is on the rise here that maybe we haven't touched on yet that you think maybe in a year or two might be in the top 10 maybe or top five or whatever you want to uh, critique it as. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of like the, the diamondback system as well there. I'm, I'm a big Corbin Carroll guy um, for sure. Um, but you know, another system that uh, I, I really kind of like there, Kansas city Royals. Um, they, they were at 13th um, in, in our rankings. And, you know, I think they got a really good uh, a crop of guys, really good, uh, crop of pitchers and you know now they got some more bats to kind of go along with it so uh, i think they they got a really good group that that could continue to jump up um the dodgers are, are another system i thought they drafted pretty well getting bobby miller and, and clayton beater on the draft last year and they just always just somehow have a knack for uh taking guys and, and turning them into studs uh, the, the the player development out there with the dodgers is incredible um, so they, they got a lot of really good promising young prospects that could push them back into the top 10 as well. But with, um, I, I think Gavin Lux graduated. Yeah, he did. Um, Otherwise, yeah. there would be a little, cause that's the thing they're lacking is that superstar guy. Yeah. C- c- yeah. Cause now that Lux is gone, if Lux was still there, I think that'd still be a top 10 system. Yeah. I, I um, do think Lux is that good. I agree. Yeah. But you know, they, they don't have a spot for him on the big league roster. They, they should totally trade him to. Back back home to Milwaukee for yeah, for peanuts. I think, I think he can find at bats at second base. There's no Kiki there. I think he'll be fine. He's a guy, yeah. by the way. I know this is totally off topic, but you can get for a lot cheaper than you could a year ago in dynasty leagues, and somebody I would target because um, yeah. his stock is down. And because yeah, they still have a uh, Seager at shortstop, so sure. but Seager is a free agent after this next season, so. If they can't sign Seager, then they'll they'll have well they can sign Seager. It's whether they will or won't. Um, but you know if Seager walks, then I think the value for Lux is going to go back up because then he could um, be at shortstop there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there with him probably getting most of his at bats at second base at least this year. Um, it, it's you know his stock is going to be down for 2021. And yeah, if you can get him for cheap and and um, try to snag him now, go for it. Um, Cause I, I think that kid's going to be a stud. I agree. And let's not forget Justin Turner is probably not playing too many uh, 162 game seasons, re, you know, in the future. So I, I feel like there's at best. I think that Lux is a great, a great player. And I think that 
he is a prime example of why we should not really look at 2020 too much when it comes to evaluating players because it was funky. We've had players coming out now in spring training. I see this every other day that they were not prepared. They were not in good shape. Uh, the one that comes to mind right now, JD Martinez, how, I don't know if you saw this or not, but how honest he was. He's like, I wasn't ready. I, I, you know, I didn't know if there was going to be a season. I wasn't None of us were ready for that year. And so you can't fault some of these guys. Plus, we've talked about Yelich. Um, you know, mm-hmm. his his kind of fall could have been attributed to the fact that he wasn't allowed to watch video. There's a lot of players that were like that as well. So just a, a friendly reminder here that when we look at our 2020 stats, whether it comes to prospects or even your big league guys, that take it for a grain of salt. You can't ignore it. But I do think that uh, it was a weird, weird year, and we need to get back to a semblance of normalcy here, and hopefully we can get that with a 162-game season. I do want to mention this on Yelich. Reports out of Brewers' camp are that he has shown up in the best shape of his life. Uh, he has added muscle this offseason. He's looking a lot stronger hitting, hitting the weight room. So um, it could be a 50-home run season incoming for Christian Yelich. So. <laughs> I'm 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 big on the bounce back train there. Oh goodness, I do like Yelich still quite a bit. Um, any last thoughts here on the organizational rankings? I feel like we probably should spend more time on the Rays, but honestly, we spent a whole podcast on the Rays. You can check that out yeah. a couple episodes ago. Um, we had yeah. you know, the, the Rays are good. That, that's what you got to know. Yeah, although Greg B. Um, Greg B. I'm calling out Greg B. a lot tonight. He had the Mariners at 14. I'm just kind of looking over some of the big deviations. 14, and then um, the Braves. How dare he at 21? Wow. Yeah. Um, he also had the Rangers at number seven. He is a very interesting list. I would like to get him on maybe and just yeah. pick his brain on some because I like I like making stands like that. I mean, Greg, if you're listening, I'm not critiquing you you at all i love the fact that you're you're going out here and and uh, i'm sure you have reasons behind this I, I just want to know what they are you know they're just fascinating um because the rangers at seven seems pretty crazy to me um where did i have them um 14 so i guess it's not too different but yeah, it depends on how much you like justin foscue yeah enough to like raise your eyebrow and be like okay i want to see what you like because now i want to know like okay who's in the rangers that i need to go pick up because it's clearly Greg B is on somebody there. I need to go find out. Anyway, um, yeah. So any last thoughts here on the organizations uh, that we ranked? No, no. I think we covered covered most of the big ones. Yeah, really fun exercise. I will would love to do this again at the midseason mark. I'm just super excited to see what prospects come up. What are your thoughts as we wrap up our show here on the prospects being called up? We had a ton, a ton called up last year honestly when you look back at some of these people that made debuts um in a 60 something game season you know to have that many people called up do you think it's going to stay that way where these prospects are coming up sooner than we imagine or do you think we're going to kind of push the brakes a little bit and maybe be disappointed with some of the prospects for 2021 Oh, I'm not sure. It really is going to kind of depend on, on which individual guys get called up. I mean, you you got Kelnick who's going to get called up uh, at some point. You know, I'm not sure for I'm, I'm not sure how soon we're going to see Wander Franco up in the big leagues. Um, but you know, th- there's a lot of interesting guys, and you know, I know my Brewers aren't going to have too many guys to be called up, but um, th- there's a lot of guys across the league that you know it's it's going to be you know, about their time to get called up and, uh, you know, individually it'll be interesting to see how a lot of them turn out. Can't wait. I can't wait. Spring training is already upon us. We haven't even really mentioned that. Hopefully you've kind of realized that yeah. it's happening. Yeah, are you going to any spring, spring training games there? Mm, that's a good question. It all, I mean, I don't think so this year. I think normally I, I would love to kind of make that a tradition. Arizona is not too far away from where I'm at. So, but just with the, pandemic i just don't know but i'll be down there that's cool yeah i mean yeah. i would i think we all should be required to go as prospect <laughs> 100 riders because it, you just learn so much when you watch those games you know oh yeah because you watch them on tv you don't, don't get much 
Um, but when you're down there in person, you get a lot. So anyway, I'm, I'm very excited here. Obviously, every fantasy podcast you listen to is going to be talking about spring training and how excited we all are. But we get to see prospects that we haven't seen since 2018. You know, if they had an injury in 2019, mm-hmm. um, you know, a Tommy John like Hunter Green comes to mind where, you know, he didn't get to play at all in 2019. We haven't seen guys for like three years and we haven't seen guys professionally since they've been drafted. So it's just this year is extra special. Um, hopefully making up for the fact that we lost an entire minor league season last year. But uh, that's going to do it for us here on the podcast. Again, thank you to at baseball pods. Thank you to the athletic um, for their, their support with our show. And again, check those guys out, vote on baseball pods, vote for, you know, the shows that you really like that you think need some recognition. I think that's a really wonderful thing. Um, so please go and support that. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the support and welcome. If you are a new listener, we really do appreciate. We're trying to release at least one a week. We've been pretty good about that. Um, and we've kind of fallen into this Thursday night, but probably Friday morning releasing podcast. So look for those late in the week. A good way to start your weekend is listening to our podcast with or without a beer, your choice. It's good either way. <laughs> we will see you next time. Thanks again for listening. This was the Futures Focus podcast. I'm Alex Sanchez. That's David Gasper. Follow us on Twitter um, at Alex underscore W underscore Sanchez. David, you are, correct me if I'm wrong, but at D Gasper 24. Yep, that's it. Right. And of course, at Prospects 1500. Follow all that. And you know what? I'm going to shamelessly plug it leave us a review we've had some good reviews but uh if you haven't done so leave us a five-star review all right we'll see you next time